In this episode, I talk with Hella Sparr, who brought her expertise on tennis strategy to doubles on the pickleball court. Hella was a professional tennis player in the 1970s, but has been an avid pickleball teacher and player the past five years. If you're interested in learning more about pickleball doubles strategy, this episode is for you as she takes a deep dive into the subject. So let's get to the intro to hear more from Hella. Welcome to the Pickleball Fire Podcast, where it's all about pickleball. Today, I would like to welcome to the Pickleball Fire Podcast, Hella Spar. Welcome, Hella. Thank you. Thanks, Lynn. Thanks for having me. Well, Mark Livingston, who I had on the podcast a few weeks ago, I think it is now, was giving you so much credit in terms of your course on double strategy. So that's the reason why I wanted to have you on the podcast. But before we get into kind of the details of that, I know you have quite a background as a professional tennis player. So why don't you give the audience just a little bit of your history and what you accomplished? Yeah, sure. Yeah, tennis was my life. I started at six years old. I was born in Denmark and I became the top junior player there early on and and my parents my dad kind of said you got to get to the states if you want to pursue your career in tennis and it was just happening it was in the 70s so I came over here to the states and I got on the tour and tennis kind of just took me to all these different places and I played on the tour in the 70s for about five years and then I got married over here and I got into teaching and I love teaching and continued playing a little bit, even in, you know, went back in my 30s, I think, and played on the on a U.S. team, a cup team, because representing the U.S. was a big goal of mine versus, you know, I'd been from Denmark. So to have played for two countries and especially the States was a real honor. So that became a goal. And I did that in in the 35 Cup team. And we went to South Africa and we won it and it, it was really fun. And then, you know, I, I continued teaching and I got, I, I wrote a book over many, many years because writing a book in a different language is quite challenging because I really wanted to have a video. But and those in those days, that was not, the technology wasn't really there. I didn't have the contact. So somebody said, where's your script for this video? And I said, it's in my head. And he says, well, better write a book. So that became a book and it's called Dynamite Doubles play winning tennis today. And that has been great. And it's all on strategy and, and on doubles. And, and, and that's kind of where, where my, my attention then was. And, and when I got into pickleball, which was about five years ago, I started to see if, I, if that strategy could, how that would translate into pickleball and it has translated beautifully and so that's why I am where I am today and uh, and I don't really teach tennis anymore now it's all pickleball and the course is really where my dream was for tennis like having it all visually and having it all in in the in the technology on the on the medium that we have here and people can see it rather than read it but they can also read it so pickleball all of a sudden I have a whole new career and uh, that I thought was going to be through tennis so so that's been kind of interesting well let me then ask you about 
pickleball. I know a lot of tennis players do transition to pickleball. I'm curious as to how you first heard about the sport and why you decided to try it. Right. So I was a tennis pro in California for 28 years. I was at the same club and I was, I then had an opportunity to come to Arizona with my book to do a presentation at one of the clubs here in the Phoenix area. And, you know, you come to Arizona and all of a sudden you realize there's a lot of pickleball going on. And it's because so many retirement places, 55 and over communities, which I now was qualified for. And when I got here to teach tennis, because we ended up moving to Arizona as a result of this presentation, people wanted me here and said, how do we get you to Arizona? I said, well, let's just figure something out. If I can get a court, if you can guarantee me a court or two, I can develop a program and I can teach because that had been my experience. And uh, so we got here, I got here in about five years ago and started doing the tennis. And all of a sudden, you know, on the other side of the street is laughter, some noise, a different sound I wasn't used to, much more activity. So I wandered over there and said, oh, my God, this is like mini tennis. This is this is what as a kid, you know, when we had to train, when we got to play mini tennis, it was like a recess. It was kind of fun, touch and 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 laughter and movement was developed, but it wasn't as grinding as the big tennis court running and, and doing drills from the baseline. So for a tennis player, this mini tennis is is like a treat. And I said, there's a game with just like this. And so I, I took to it right away and said, I think I I think I want to do this. Uh, much because I could do all those kind of fun shots that like a swinging volley, the drop shots, all the the kind of trick shots that you get to do in tennis every so often, but it usually uh, doesn't work because you get so little practice at it. And in pickleball, that's kind of all you do. So it really, it really suited my whole, my game, which is not a power game. It's more touch, finesse, and kind of a chess game out there. So it was very, very soothing to my mind. Well, it's interesting, too, because if you think about when you were playing professional tennis, that was back during a real growth phase of tennis back in the early 70s. Are you kind of seeing similar things with pickleball right now at this point? Yeah, exactly. It's like I'm in the beginning of two two sports, you know, the grassroots of two sports are very, very similar indeed. And we don't know where pickleball is, is going, right? It's just changing rapidly. You know, every month there's a new, something new, new strokes, new shots coming in, new sponsors coming in, new opportunities for for everybody. So, yeah, it's very exciting times, I feel. Well, that brings up kind of some of the technical aspects of the pickleball game. And, you know, so many people, I think, who are teaching, you know, really emphasize, you know, you've got to learn how to dink. You need to learn the third shot drop. But what I love about your course is that you're really focused on the double strategy. And, you know, still most people in pickleball are playing doubles. So it's, you know, I think it's just so appropriate that you're concentrating on that because I I don't think it gets enough attention. Yeah, right. When I first started, I was on a court with a guy and he's a really good friend of mine today and he's a lefty. So I'm in the left side of the court. He's in the right. And he serves and he says, you take all middle balls. 
And I'm like, what? And it was such a, a blanket statement where I was like, that's not really my, my, my main purpose here because I was not the server. I was not the diagonal player. And all of a sudden my strategy was like being, it was opposite of what I, what I would look for in tennis. I mean, I would take some middle balls, but it would not be mine. Like to start with, that would not be my first, my first thing would be try to go up in front and be in front of him to pose a threat as a poacher. But so, so I was like, there's something wrong here. And, and they were saying forehand takes everything down, you know, in the middle. And he was a lefty. We both had forehands, but nevertheless, he wanted me to take that since I was on the left side of the court. And, and another thing was get to that kitchen line became this thing. People said, you got to get to the kitchen line when you're serving. And I would see people hit, hit the ball, run to the kitchen line and get slammed. Right. Because they didn't hit a good third shot or yeah, it was an attackable ball. So those two things in the beginning, I was saying there's something wrong with this so that I didn't really feel there was any strategy out there other than those two main things. And I have spent a lot of time actually unteaching that people have to unlearn that that's really not the best strategy. Always. If you want to, uh, if you want to score as a server, maybe it's not the most important thing to get to that line. I think the most important thing is to get the ball back because you're on defense when you're serving, for example. So strategy was definitely a thing that was missing in pickleball. And I think tennis players, we have brought that in because you watch the people coming in now. They live in transition zone. The, the Newmans live on the baseline. Lindsay's back on the baseline. Riley's up in front. They're almost in eye formation, which was unheard of before. But that's good doubles at times. So there isn't really a one way or the other. But I think, like I like we talked about, with tennis players coming in, strategy has definitely improved. Well, it's more about doing the right things at the right time, especially depending on who your opponent is, isn't it? Yeah, your your opponent, but also where your partner is. Like, like if you if if I you know from the course, it's it's very very simple. We're never side by side, for example, which was another thing that some people had said. You always have to come up together. Well, if you come up together, the middle is very vulnerable because you you're both going to be fighting for it. So if you come up slightly staggered with a lead player and a player that's a little bit behind, just a step or two at times, all depending on where the ball is coming from, you'll have a much better understanding of which area of the court is yours to defend. So, so my whole approach is first defend before you attack, especially from the server's perspective. But your opponents, it's not as important what your opponents are doing as what you and your partner are doing together. So you don't leave that hole or an easy winning shot from your for your opponents to ex- exploit. So I'm always trying to find the hole or the gap in opponents' court while I'm defending my gap at any cost. So, so those are, are things, different things to think about than get to the kitchen line you know, which is very, just very simple and and really is not really the main objective, unless you're receiving. If you're receiving the serve, yes, you must get to the kitchen line to be the aggressors and and have the attacking game. If you don't, 
you you will get beat by the serving team. So the, the game is beautifully set up, I think, strategically. And it's very difficult to score. Very. I just wanted to break in here and say that after this interview, I started to think about my game. And I realized I didn't even do 10% of what Hella talked about on the court. So I've signed up for her doubles course. And you may want to consider doing so too. You can get more information by going to pickleballfire.com slash doubles. And just to let you know, I do make an affiliate commission if you purchase her course, and this helps to support the Pickleball Fire podcast. Now, one of the things I think you talk about in your course are really the different roles of of the team. So you were talking about the most important thing is really what you and your partner are doing. Can you describe a little bit about, I think you named one of them is the workhorse, and I'm not sure which the other role is. Yeah, there's a workhorse and there's a blocker. In the tennis terms, I used uh, workhorse and terminator. So I changed it for pickleball and I I call it the blocker. So we have a person who's straight ahead from the ball, like right in front of you where the ball is straight ahead, that's the blocker. And then if you're diagonally from the ball, you're the workhorse. And because of that diagonal line, just by that geometric difference you have more court to cover because of the angle so the diagonal player is the workhorse has angles middles lobs to cover they are not as aggressive as the blocker who is a little bit in front and has less court to cover so the blocker can also be the poacher or the terminator but the blocker is either going to get killed or is about to maybe intercept a ball and kill the other team. But the positioning is such that the blocker is always slightly in front of the workhorse. So if you can think of or visualize that, like you get the ball, you don't see your partner. Well, if you don't see your partner, they're behind you somewhere. If you hit the ball in front of yourself for that particular moment, your team is okay. There's no gap between you. But if you, in front of your partner, hits it, hit it cross court, you have now created what I call wrong way Wanda. It is a bad gap because the other team is watching you having a gap because the wrong player is in front and the wrong player is in the back. So in short, if I'm in front of my partner, I hit it in front of myself. If I'm behind my partner because I see them in front of me, I hit it cross court. At least for that moment, the other team doesn't have an, a free winner. They would have, they can still hit a winner at times, but at least they don't have that added hole or gap that is so uh, important to defend against in, in doubles. Well, and that makes a lot of sense in terms of, you know, trying to minimize the gaps. I was curious as to why you changed the name for the one role from Terminator to Blocker in Pickleball? Yeah, I don't know how that really came about. I think from drilling and practicing, let's say from transition zone as a server, I'm coming up and I'm kind of caught in transition zone and a ball, they're hitting a ball right at me, straight ahead. I am going to have to learn to block that back and reset and not not hit hard and I'm about to be terminated. So my reset is a more important role in pickleball than terminating. 
So in tennis, it's about finishing the point quickly. And in pickleball, the better player you become, you actually, as you become a better player, you need to keep the ball in play more than trying to kill it. Everybody can kill it. And the lower level players have that idea that they can kill any ball. And that's where they have to learn to reset. So the, the whole the whole notion of, of trying to reset from any place on the court is, I think, why I, I made it. You, you're more or less just blocking the ball back soft and and precisely, and you, you're just blocking it, not not trying to terminate it back. One of the other things I wanted to ask you about, because you had mentioned it earlier in the interview, is that you know you've been playing pickleball for five years and you've probably seen a lot of changes in the game. You were saying you know there's always new strategies and new shots. Can you talk about you know what you see as what is really popular or not popular but actually effective on the court here in 2021? Yes, I think the whole notion of the third shot drop. And, and what is attackable and what is not attackable is changing a bit because even if you hit a decent drop or a decent dink, at times it can still be an attackable ball. So there, the third shot can be a drive followed by maybe a fifth shot drop, much more so than you have to learn a third shot drop. I think there are more... There are more hard shots coming in at the appropriate times and learning to reset at the appropriate times. So it's, it's very, it's much more gray area right now. And I think that's maybe what's confusing to some of the people who are at the lower levels because they, they don't have the background of reading the balls. So they're like, which ball should I reset? Which ball should I sit hit hard? I watched the pros do it. How come I can't do it? So I try to teach the highest percentage and I try to teach to read the ball first with your highest percentage and then learn your other options after that. I don't like to teach the lowest percentage, which some of the pros may be doing as their main shot because they can. I like to teach so people will know their, their go-to highest percentage, a little bit lower percentage, and then the lowest percentage. It doesn't mean you don't go for a low percentage shot at times, but if you really want to play error-free pickleball, and that's one of my favorite uh, sayings, how I got better was just play error-free versus hitting winners. The fewer errors I made, the better I became. Uh, but learning that that mindset before you you want to just kill it. But I do think the the game is changing also with balls below the net when you're reaching in the kitchen. When I first came in, people didn't think you could attack those. But with a rolling topspin, you can roll that over and still make it quite aggressive. And you can even lob volley that. So lobs are another thing that are coming in much more appropriate now from the offense zone up from the kitchen line. People are starting to lob offensively as well as defensively. So, so that, that those are, and then I think just to kind of go out on the limb here, I think the slice volley is going to come in as well. Everybody's doing top spin volleys that are on dropping balls and they're hitting these top spin volleys to keep ball, people back. 
And I think the slice volley for placement and for a new approach shot is going to be a little bit more, uh, it's going to come into the game more as you see, as you see people needing more tools. Well, that makes a lot of sense. And I can definitely relate to that because having been pretty good racquetball player, especially when I was young, you know, so much of that game is about hitting the ball low. So I would actually hit way more slice and probably almost no top top spin in racquetball. Right. Because the, the top spin makes the ball sit up, which makes it easier for them to get it over the net. If you slice it, then they have to lift it to get it over the net. And guess what? They lift it a little bit too high. Then you can slam it down again. So I think any volley that's not a winning volley, a slice is, is really good. And so is top spin. And you have to look at what the opponent, some people will love the top spin and you give him one slice and it goes in the bottom of the net and there you have your new strategy or vice versa. You hit a slice and they love that. And then you hit a top spin and they can't get it. So just the more tools you can, you know, the more spin you can put on balls that are not clean winners, at least you are giving them a little bit of an added challenge. So I like that. I'm all in favor of adding spin once you have learned to hit it flat, you know, that's the highest percentages of course, like a ping pong, just bunt it with your paddle face. But after that, you need to start putting some some spin on your shots to add a little added challenge for the opponents. One of the things I can tell from, you know, talking to you this last 15 minutes or so is that you sound like a tremendous teacher. And I know that COVID probably has had some impact on you doing clinics and, and things in person. Is that kind of opening back up for you in, in 2021? And are you largely just teaching in Arizona or are you traveling throughout the country or will you be traveling throughout the country? Yeah, my, my traveling definitely came to a halt uh, abruptly. And it was just when we had finished the course. So the, the doubles course that, that went online was very godlike timing because I could have not planned it any better. So we had the course taking off in March just as uh, as the COVID hit. So so that was fine. And and I did some, t- I still was teaching, you know, maybe a couple of months I didn't, but then I started teaching where I can drive to, I'll teach. And, uh, you know, I don't teach full time. So it it was kind of a nice break. And I have done a lot of Zoom. I've done a lot of, of other other ways of teaching. But I'm starting again now to make some plans for 2021. I don't. I'm not playing many tournaments because I really love to teach. And I love to, even when I'm playing, I love to teach. And of course, people don't appreciate that because they're playing just for fun. But I'd much rather discuss a point and what somebody could have done differently, including me, than oh, now it's 6-5. I mean, the score means so little to me, and it's so difficult anyway in pickleball. So I've never really, I really don't care about the score other than, yeah, just focus on the next point and and try to do better than I did the point before. Or if I had a really good point, I try to set up the same pattern. But the scoring and the winning is not as important as the winning the moment and 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 keep correcting and tweaking my my errors and that's more or less what I teach. So yeah, I'm I'm traveling a little bit more now and um, looking forward to what's what's coming up. You sound like you're very process oriented in terms of your game, 
but I, I think I did read that you won a couple big tournaments, maybe a national championship too. In pickleball? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I've won. I don't really even remember. Like I said, I don't really pay too much attention to it because it is a process. And I like winning, of course, better than I like losing, but I, I want to be competitive and, and I just like to play. I just like to play one point at a time. My whole life has been one, one day at a time. So now I'm, I'm playing one point at a time and looking too far ahead is always dangerous. Too many, too many failures and too many disappointments. And I've kind of learned that lesson, but I will, I mean, I played the sixties. I was just 60 when I started and somebody said, you should play singles. You could win a national championship. So I entered in the sixties when I first had started, it was my, my second tournament because I had to play another one to qualify for this nationals. And I did win the 60 singles and that was torture. And I, played only one or two other tournaments after that. I do not enjoy singles. It was way too hard on a on a doubles court. It was too big for my singles strategy. So doubles has been my 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 love and it it always has been because of, of the strategy. It's much harder to win a point in a doubles court than it is in a singles court. So and you can see with pickleball it's two people defending the same size court than a singles match so to to find openings is a real chess game and i love that but i have won some i've won a, some national championships in my age and us open in my age and so yeah it's and now i'm 65 this year and i think i'm going to be playing hopefully a national 65 and that will be my probably one of my only tournaments this year one thing i want to talk about just before we finish up here is if people are interested in your course, can you give me a sense of what's in, in, involved? Because I, I think it's more than just videos. I think you offer some possibly some other bonuses and just give people the idea of, of the price point also. Yeah, it's 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 called doublescourse.com. And that's where you would go in like a course, right? Doublescourse.com. And they, in there, we have a, a little bit of an explanation first on who I am. And there's a little bit of a, a, a teaser on a third shot options, I think. And then you will get an opportunity to purchase the course from there. And we are right now, I think we're still running a special and I believe it's like somewhere in that range. There's going to be a $199 offering coming up, which will be like half a course on maybe domination of the kitchen that we're just going to actually talk about later this afternoon. So if people are not sure about me and they don't not really sure they want to spend the $249, which is a bargain because there are over 60 lessons in there and and it's an ongoing live zoom calls and interactive course on top of it so but but I can get to that but we'll have one that's offered at 199 I believe or 99 I forget what it is pardon me for that I'm not the the techie expert that's my partner and and then if they like it they can then upgrade using that as a down payment and then just pay the remainder if they say, I really like this, but I want the whole course because I cover, I cover everything from A to Z for any level player as far as strategy goes. 
And then every month we have live Zoom calls where all the members come on and they we ask they ask questions, I answer, I have my chalkboard up and we go through scenarios that have come up for people and we're tweaking it. So it's a it's a constant changing course on top of it and people have access to to me all the time through questions on the forum. So we have our own little platform there. And I also am now like offering where they can send in some videos that I will look at the video and give feedback uh, back by actually drawing on the the videos uh, where they, the positioning, where they maybe were wrong in positioning, the wrong shot selection, what, what would have been a better shot, what options you have from a certain shot rather than the one you took. So feedback through video, and that's gonna, that's a huge added bonus that the people get who, who join in on that. So yeah, and then the Dynamite Doubles is the name of my website, and we're just working on that to, to really make it just for pickleball because it used to be tennis also, but it's, it's mainly pickleball now. And so there's both dynamitedoubles.com and then the doublescourse.com. And if you want to email me, you, you just have my name, hillespar at gmail.com. So that's kind of the contact information. Oh, great. That is a great offering in doublescourse.com. I will definitely post that in the show notes on my website, Pickleball Fire. And so I, just to reiterate, it sounds like the current offering includes not only the videos, but the form, the Zoom calls, and even some video analysis that you'll do if people send in videos. So I'm sure people will love that offering. And I'll be sure and update the page when you have the new course offering. And I, I think the idea and kind of the ability to upgrade is is tremendous. But anyways, I'm, I'm kind of sold on the doublescourse.com, just uh, what you described. That's great. Thank you. Thanks, Lynn, for for having me and giving me this opportunity to talk about it. Like you can hear, I this is my passion and, and that's I love to do this and I love to share my little my little experience uh, and knowledge that I that I feel I have to pass on to as many people as possible. All right. Well hello, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. You just gave so much value and I know that the listeners are going to love it. That's great. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Pickleball Fire podcast. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to give it a five-star review on Apple iTunes.